Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg ad-free and right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here and welcome to another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. So here's a question you probably haven't asked before taking your next flight. What can actually get you thrown off a plane? All right, being drunk and disorderly, that's a no-brainer. But what about how much you weigh? Christopher Elliott of Elliott.org weighs in, pun intended, on some airline rules you might not know about. Then, we'll check in on the latest research in traveler demand and traveler behavior with Amir Elon. He's the president and CEO of Longwoods International, the guys who do the research. Some interesting stuff about how we may be changing and how we might not be changing. And then... Looking at the long, hot summer of 2023 from the pilot's perspective, Patrick Smith, author of Cockpit Confidential and AskThePilot.com, on what he sees on the horizon as our summer travel continues to be disrupted. First up, get your scales ready. It's Chris Elliott. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. 
I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. How big is too big, Christopher? <laughs> oh, well, that's a loaded question. No pun intended. No, <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, that that column really, that was a flamethrower. And, uh, you know, it's it, part of the problem is that, you know, we're we're having an, an obesity epidemic in the United States. So uh, you've got that 43% of the population is technically uh, obese. And then you also have the fact that airline seats are getting smaller and smaller. And, uh, and it's just an inevitable confrontation. So to answer your question, how big is too big? I think we all are too big for these airline seats at the moment. But uh, if, it, if you are overweight, though, you are spilling over into the next person's seat, and that's causing a huge problem. It is. And, of course, it, it raises another question. Who has the right to the armrest, especially if you're in the middle seat? Um, okay, I, I've actually written several stories about this, and the consensus seems to be that the person in the middle seat has the right to both armrests. However, they don't have the right to spill over into your personal space. Yeah, well, good luck with that. Um, I mean, listen, based on the size of Americans and the size of the seats, spillover is inevitable. Right. And you know something? We have had uh, an interesting discussion this summer about this. Uh, there was a fat acceptance activist who, who launched a petition basically urging the airlines to give a free seat to people who were uh, overweight or oversized. And that's just caused a huge amount of debate. And no pun intended. <laughs> I keep rolling out <laughs> yeah, these but you know what? here. I'm really sorry. Uh, 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 continuing in that vein, that's not going to fly. <laughs> that is not going to fly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the closest airline to doing that right now is Southwest. You have to actually pay for two tickets, and then they'll reimburse you for one, which I think is, you know, very generous of them. They got into trouble a couple of years ago because of an, an incident involving an overweight passenger. But the others, and especially United, they they are pretty strict. Like you, you have to buy a second seat and you have to pay for it. And if you can't fit into the seat, uh, you you may not be able to fly. And um, so the uh, the people who are advocating for acceptance of uh, large passengers, I'm choosing my words very carefully here. I are uh, are really lobbying the airlines hard to um, to offer a better policy for for people who are uh, obese. And I, I do understand, and I mentioned this in the column. It didn't make a difference, but that for some people, being overweight is not not a choice. They they have you know physiological issues that um, make them overweight. Uh, but a lot of passengers do feel like you know this is a choice. It's a lifestyle choice. You are putting food in your mouth and you're responsible for having, you know, not being able to fit into the seat. And so there is this conflict and, and, you know, you can see it in the comments, people are very upset. Well, you know, there's, there's also a basic physics consideration here. Uh, you'll, you'll find on every airplane, they carry seatbelt extenders for people who can't get mm -hmm. the original seatbelt to go around as they extend. But there's another situation here, which can easily be argued. And that is a safety one. Then in the event of an evacuation, yeah. uh, can, can the plane be safely evacuated if one or two people are literally, through no fault of their own other than their size, 
blocking the escape routes. Yeah. Uh, well, it's that also. And then having the plane properly weighted, if you have a passenger who is very heavy and they're seated on the wrong side of the aircraft, you could, you could really have an issue. And, uh, so that's why on some of the smaller uh, regional carriers, they had they, they sometimes will weigh passengers and make sure that they're seated on the right side, just because they they want to make sure the plane can operate safely. Although but certainly a, the evacuation, I was about to say, there's, there's, certainly the evacuation thing is oh, an issue. Yeah. yeah, but there's also one other consideration, and that is the average weights that are used to come up with an average of, of what the passenger weight load is on any particular aircraft are antiquated. I mean, the, the, the average that the airlines are using when they're giving the pilots weight and balance information, to think 150 pounds per passenger, what century <laughs> are they not living in? Yeah. I mean... Oh, yeah, that's the, the 19th century. That's, uh, those are the weights. And I mean, the average passenger now weighs close to 200 pounds, uh, the average adult, I should say. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, that's... Uh, well, I mean, ultimately, and I mentioned this in the story, uh, which appeared in USA Today, and that is that uh, the FAA has got to rule on uh, minimum seat sizes, and they haven't done that yet. They've been taking their time. My thanks to Chris. Now, it can be argued that we don't just want or love to travel. We need to travel. It's part of our cultural DNA. And according to the latest research, that seems to be true. But the remaining question, of course, is can we afford to travel? Amir Elon, the CEO of Longwoods International, has done the research. Amir Elon, hello, Amir. Hey, Peter, good to hear from you. You know, every time I hear from you, you're updating me on, you know, really interesting changes in traveler behavior. Of course, we were on a roller coaster during the pandemic. But one thing that didn't change, of course, is people want to travel. I'm assuming that your latest research is still confirming that the demand is still strong. Absolutely, Peter. We're still flirting with record levels of demand. Uh, our most recent survey that just came out this month shows that 9 out of 10, 91% to be exact, of American travelers tell us they have plans to go somewhere in the next six months. Still just flirting with the all-time highs. And, of course, they're acting out on those demands. I mean, look look where we are right in, in Las Vegas. You know, they continue to open up new hotels, and they continue to fill the rooms. I mean, Resorts World wasn't around three years ago, and now they're you know ninety five percent occupancy, and they're building even more hotels. It the the elasticity of Las Vegas has always astounded me, but now I guess you can apply that to the travel industry as a whole, because they're building hotels and they're filling them everywhere. Absolutely, Peter, and it's leisure travel that's leading the way. Let's talk about that because, you know, I understand why people are doing it. You know, we've gone from working from an office to working from home to working from anywhere. So people can, I hate to use the word leisure. It sounds, ugh, I, I, I yeah. just, it's a disgusting term. But It's like but, the word moist, right? You don't want to say it. <laughs> you just did. Um, but, but the thing is, people are extending their business weeks in locations where they don't have to show up at work. Uh, they can just work from anywhere. And I think that's really, you know, triggering uh, a lot of this demand. Absolutely, you know we've seen you know it was that, that blended travel. Let's call it that. Um, has has uh, you know it was on the rise a little bit before the pandemic, but the pandemic absolutely accelerated. And as more people head back to the office, 
they're taking out that flexibility when they can. Their employers are letting them have that flexibility. Of they're going out for a conference, a meeting, convention, client meetings, or whatever. They're allowing them to extend on personal time and get out and about and uh, on their own time, which uh, they're definitely uh, they're definitely increasing. And, and of course, allows for that spike in essential midweek travel, which was typically just dominated by traditional business travel. So, uh, so it really is causing this uh, uh, kind of evening out of the week, so to speak. And we're seeing so many companies that have gone to like unlimited PTO, right? Unlimited paid time off. Um, yeah. Or conversely, we're seeing you know, CEOs coming back now saying, okay, party's over. I want everybody back in the office. And everybody's saying, I don't think you understand. I'm not coming back then. And, yeah. And, it, it, yeah, it, people it, just not coming real, back. Oh, no. It, it, it's a real push-pull. And we're also seeing in that blood of travel, um, there's a disconnect that's happening between the employers and employees. Uh, so a lot of the employees, it's important if you're an employer to have that conversation with your team members because, um, you know, the employee, when they're done with the business part of the trip, let's say they're extending for, you know, they went to San Francisco, they're extending for a few days after to go to Sonoma or Napa and, and uh the boss starts sending emails or they start getting some work calls. The boss is expecting that maybe that email gets answered by the end of the day. And the employee goes, no, that's when I'm back in the office on Monday. I'll deal with it then. And, uh, um, so that's causing a little bit of uh, a little tension in the, uh, in the, in the travel sector. Although it's also forcing a lot of hotels and even resorts to change their footprint, to change their interior yeah. design so that people can work. You know, yeah. there, there was a time in Las Vegas not that long ago where you didn't find a desk in the room. You know, no. you, you, they didn't want you in Never. the room. They wanted you out on the floor <laughs> gambling or going to shows. And now, and, and the lighting the lighting in the room sucked. And now when you go to, a, to, a, to a, a contemporary room in Las Vegas, the lighting in the room is great. There's room to work. You have access to email and internet. You have space to think. Um, and yes, if you want to go down and lose money at 21, you can, but the point is people are spending more time working now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're going back to the rooms at night and responding to those emails. <laughs> All right. So, so here's, but here's the question and, and let's, let's, yep. let's be real here. Um, people are spending money when they're traveling. They haven't been very price sensitive, Amir. Um, look at airfares right now. They're ridiculous. Although they're starting to come down for September. Uh, but Ooh. that's. You sort of expect that, but right, the, end of summer travel. Right, but the bottom line is you have to ask this question: Given the amount of money people are spending on travel, is that level sustainable? No, I don't think so. Um, and the data, and the data shows it. Uh, it, it is, um, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, we're asking the travelers every month about, um, you know, the concern about their own personal financial situations, its impact, and so forth. And right now, we are seeing that one quarter of American travelers are telling us that their concerns about their own personal financial situation will greatly impact their um, their decision to travel. And we're seeing almost one half of travelers telling us the same thing in, 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 um, in relation to gas prices and to airfares uh, and, and so forth. And uh, but But here's the thing. In the past, in past economic cycles like this, it, that financial concern would have caused them to reduce travel. And right now, only 4% of travelers are telling us they're canceling trips. So what are they doing? How do they, we ask them, how, how is this going to greatly impact your decision to travel? Well, one-third said, well, I'm reducing the amount I'm going to spend on entertainment and recreation. One-third are telling us they're reducing the amount they spend on re- retail purchases. 
Uh, a quarter are going to be reducing their spend on food and beverages. Uh, in terms of lodging, about another quarter saying they're reducing their spend on lodging. So they might downsize from a full-service property to a limited-service property because not just a lower price point, perhaps, but it includes free breakfast. So that's one less to be able to pay for out. So they're finding the ways. They are prioritizing travel uh, in many ways over other financial decisions, but they're just finding a way to make it within their budget. Um, they're, they're, you know, they've, they've, they've spent their, uh, their stimulus checks. They saved a lot of money during the pandemic. They spent that down. Uh, they're not going to, they're, they're looking for a deal they're, And, and, you know, they, they understand things cost more. They're okay with the inflation because it is across the board, but they're looking for value. They, they have to have that perception of value. So they're still going to travel. Absolutely. They're, 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 the demand show, I just told you, nine out of 10 have, no, have plans to go somewhere in the next six months. And, you know, we keep, we keep hearing the economists saying, look for that third, look for that third quarter uh, hit with the, with the recession. I'm not an economist, so I can't tell you where, 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 you know, where it's heading. But, but um, if, if that is true, uh, it's, this, is, this could be the first time, uh, you know, the travel industry has typically been first into a recession and one of the last ones out. And we're not seeing that pattern happening this time. Although, you know, they say 9 out of 10 have plans to travel. They didn't tell you where. Maybe 9 out of 10 are planning to travel to the kitchen. <laughs> well, no, we have to do that being said, because of gas prices and inflation, we have seen an increase in regional road trips, right? That, that regional drive market. If you're a regional drive market destination uh, and the recession does it, you will do well. So the bottom line is they're going to skimp on something, but they're not going to skimp on going somewhere. Nope. Uh, you, know, you know, Peter, Americans see travel as a right and they and they, they found out what happened when their perceived right to travel was messed with during the pandemic, and they, they're, they're not going to let that happen again. Amazing. We're talking to Amir Elon, who's the president and CEO of Longwoods International, that do all the research. I guess the bottom line is we are going to see airfares come down. Some of them are down now, about 18% over where they were about two months ago, but they're still abnormally high. Um, yes. I'm hoping that after September 8th, and I'm starting to see that in some of the computer systems that I'm looking at uh, for forward projections that those those airfares are going to come down. But they may not come down to historic lows. They may just come down relative to where they are now. Right. That's what the data is showing across the board. Oh, boy. My thanks to Amir. It's been a chaotic summer of delays, cancellations, frustration, and stress for travelers. Gee, what a surprise. Just like last summer. Patrick Smith author of Cockpit Confidential and AskThePilot.com, shares his thoughts from 35,000 feet. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Captain, welcome. 
Hey, Peter. Good to be back. Thanks. Yeah. So from a pilot's perspective, my guess is what, what I just said, you know, it's, it's, it's actually gotten worse. Yeah, I uh, I put up a blog post last summer, I remember, saying uh, I'd never experienced anything like this and was trying to be cautiously optimistic for the next summer, which is where we are now. And, uh, you know, here we are again, and I'm, I'm basically saying the same thing. I don't know if, it's, if things are worse this summer than last summer. It's a tough thing to quantify, but... Uh, Granted, um, you know, the, the delays are up, cancellations are up. It's just, it, it's it's a mess out there. And everybody wants to know why. Why are we in this state of dysfunction? And um, it's, it's a combination of things. Um, air traffic control constraints are a big one. Um, most air traffic control sectors are understaffed. Um, our system is outdated infrastructurally and outmoded. Uh, we need to upgrade our technology and come up with a better overall system. Um, and then on top of that, um, you know, we have airline scheduling practices. I think the carriers still haven't figured out how to best rationalize their schedule. Um, I think there needs to be a push towards fewer departures using larger airplanes can i ask you can pumping, i ask you a question about that more one? and more and more planes into the sky because that's that's what we're seeing yeah, there's so many airplanes up there that the system even on a on a good weather day it can barely handle it throw in a line of thunderstorms and the kind of weather we've been seeing around the country and the whole system just kind of melts down i, I want to talk to you about the, about the schedule because I'm convinced, and I was convinced last year, and I'm more convinced than ever this year, that the airlines have hideously overscheduled their system, um, and they're publishing a schedule that I would I would argue that they must know when they publish that they can't support it. Plus, they're putting in flights with 33 minute connect times, even in the best of weather. That's ridiculous, and yeah, and you know we had a situation at Newark the other day where it got so bad that the CEO of United Airlines even gave up on his own airline and snuck out and, and flew privately from Teterboro to Denver. Not exactly the best optics, not, not exactly the best message to send either your, your customers or your own employees that you're giving up on your own airline. Uh, but that's how bad it was at Newark. And that was not necessarily weather. That's the point that I'm trying to make. This is all happening before you even get to weather. Yeah, things are especially bad in the Northeast, where you have a, a large number of very busy airports kind of bottlenecked into a tight geographic area. And uh, you've got upstart carriers in the mix now adding even more flights. It's just uh, the, the system is just overwhelmed. And you know, somewhere along the way, Peter, and this is something we've talked about on the show in the past, airlines decided that frequency of flights was the holy grail of, of marketing and selling tickets. And instead of running, uh, you know, five or six aircraft uh, between a given city pair using larger planes, they've splintered it up into, you know, eight or ten departures a day, using, departures a day using smaller planes. And, you know, in the end, that's just not an efficient use of, of airspace or airport space. Um in addition to that, uh, carriers came to rely so much on regional jets, outsourcing so much of their operations to, to contractors using these RJs that at one point came to 
account for, I think, 50% of all the departures in the country. Half of all the flights carrying, what, I don't know, 15 or 20% of the people. Um, again, not an efficient use of airspace or ground space. There's been a trend recently away from that, back towards bigger mainline flights. And uh, that's the smartest things airlines can do. And the smartest thing airlines can do. And let's hope that trend continues. Well, let me ask you this question. And, and, I, and I preface this by saying, I failed math in high school, but I think I can do this basic arithmetic. Here it comes. I don't know a runway in the world, whether you're in Peoria or Pakistan, that can handle more than 23 takeoffs in an hour because it takes time to get to the runway, spool it up, two and a half minutes separation, and off you go. That's what it is. And, and so why are airlines allowed to schedule 42 departures at 8 o'clock in the morning? I mean, it doesn't add up. Literally does not add up. Am I making this up or yeah. what? I mean, you're not. And in a lot of ways, it comes down to how many planes uh, you can get onto and off of a runway in a given amount of time. And, you know, short of building new, bigger airports, which isn't happening anytime soon, there's just no way around that. So let me ask you this, and, and, and this is my stupid suggestion. I'm not a big fan of re-regulation, but I am a fan of common sense and rules. I would think the airports could take it upon themselves to say, look, we understand our capacity issues better than anybody else, at least as it applies to this airport. So for the departures that these airlines want in a world of deregulation, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a lottery. So in the 8 o'clock hour, American gets 803, uh, United gets 809, Delta gets 814, and so on. And in the 9 o'clock hour, maybe Delta gets 903 and, and so on. And if you miss the departure slot, you go into a penalty box. I would think the airlines would then learn how to schedule appropriately to meet those those hit times, so that they wouldn't get in the penalty box, and we'd have a better offer. Uh, we'd have a better operation. Well, you know, Peter, there is a version of that in place at some airports already. We call those slots. Some airports are slot controlled, and yet when the weather gets bad, these airports still fall apart, and you have multi-hour delays going in there, cancellations going in there. You know, I would argue maybe there are too many slots, and, and that needs to be addressed separately. Um, okay. You know, the, the, the system is broken in so many different places, and exacerbating it all is the continuing fact that airlines are still understaffed. Air traffic control is understaffed. All the various contractors uh, industry-wide are still understaffed. Um, so personnel-wise, everybody's still trying to catch up post-pandemic. And then you have all this other stuff going on at the same time. It's kind of a perfect storm. All right. So having said all that, I have to ask this question. We're talking to Patrick Smith, the author of AskThePilot.com. Do you have any good news, sir? <laughs> I want to say that I'm cautiously optimistic, just as I said last year, about next summer and the upcoming holiday periods. Um, you know, this, I, I want to think this can only go on for so long before it just reaches a breaking point. I know that the, the traveling public quickly becomes accustomed to dysfunction and things that don't work. And we just throw in the towel and expect the system to suck and for everything to be delayed and canceled. And then I, I, I hope that doesn't happen and that we resist that and that the airlines get smart and everybody who has a vested interest here get smart and fixes things so that we don't keep having summers like this. We don't keep having holiday seasons where things melt down and we get back to a, a version of what we had before, which, um, you know, wasn't 
perfectly fixed either, but better than what we're dealing with now. All right. So the hope that you had last summer is the hope that you have this summer. If I can paraphrase it, you're hoping that the airlines, let me see if I get this right, get smart. Is that what I heard? Um, <laughs> yeah. Is that? <laughs> Just asking. I, all right. Okay. I don't, I don't want you to make fun of me, but, um, no, I'm, I'm not trying, putting, I'm trying to put a good spin on something here and, 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 you know, give, give the carriers, give the industry credit, um, for, you know, at least realizing things are broken and trying to be proactive with the, you know, the next busy season in mind. Well, listen, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, but again, I'm, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's we're, we're not just talking about the carriers. We're talking about ATC. We're talking about all these other entities that all kind of work together at airports for the system to function properly. They're, they're all kind of broken in, in slightly different ways. And, you know, I wonder too, if, if the weather wasn't as crazy as it's been, um, if, if maybe things would be a lot better. Um, I hear you. Or at least better. My thanks to Patrick, to Amir Elon, and to Chris Elliott. And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, you know what to do. Just log on to petergreenberg.com. The Ion Travel Podcast is produced by Amanda Morris and Anthony Protis Chung. For more content from Peter Greenberg and the Ion Travel team, visit petergreenberg.com. Ion Travel is a production of CBS News Radio. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.